Liquid dots on the beat. It's, it's liquid dots OTB.
This is the third episode in a series of podcasts by Bolo Brook Youth Centre for SOAS Radio, where we will set subjects each month based on youth identity. We will then ask the young people who attend the club to voice their opinions and past experiences on the topics. This month, we asked them for their thoughts on rules and regulations and the broken social contract. The first time I got stopped and searched, I was 13. It was outside my house, like in the alleyway outside my house. Um, I was, I think I was wearing a black jacket in my school uniform. So my shoes were black and so were my trousers. But my shirt was open and you could see my school tie and whatnot. It was three white men and there was a car parked in the car park, like a police van. And as I was walking, they came out and they came up to me. They put me up against the fence and just told me some BS about how they're invoking the certain stop rights act or something like that and that because I look suspicious and so they searched me and whatnot and I just felt like I felt like a criminal like they didn't ask me how old I was if I was going to school you know if I lived there they just told me I look suspicious and now they're gonna search me you know and they just felt like Violated. The first time I got stopped and searched was 2019, 2018, and I was about 15, 16, and it happened in South Acton. I was literally, it was me and two of my friends, and um, we were just on bikes on the road, like, not not the main road, but like, a car park basically and we were just there like just we were literally riding around in circles then there was a police car that was in a car park like opposite us and out of nowhere they just like literally came swerving out like they literally went from about zero to 30 and then they all just hopped out and they all just cuffed us immediately. And they like they started saying section 60, but obviously I I didn't know what that meant because I'd never been stopped and searched before. And they just cuffed us and they're like section 60, they have the right to they were like they have the right to search us, blah blah. And I was so lost because I was like, I don't like, I don't gangbang, I don't carry an eye from you ever. So, like, why would you want to search me? And, like, I, like, I didn't know they couldn't, like, they weren't allowed to just put cuffs on me. Like, they had to, like, speak to me first. I, I didn't know that until, like, an adult had to come and, like, tell them to take the cuffs off of me. Then my friends, they were pissed off the, um, that they were being searched because, like, none of us had anything on us and... The police were literally sat in the van. They watched us for 20 minutes, just riding our bikes. And then suddenly, I don't know what clicked, but they all just came swerving at us. And it was just like, why? Like, you literally just seen us playing about. And now they were trying to treat us like criminals. 
felt like out of place in my own area. Like I would understand it if it was somewhere else, somewhere I was not known to, but this is where I live. I could see my house from the wall I was up against. And I don't know, I just felt it just wasn't a good feeling. People were walking past, of course, people I know, and, and I feel like they then looked at me different now. You know, everybody has their opinions and judgments on things they witness. So yeah, I just felt like this is somebody who doesn't even know me thinks of me like this. What does that have to say about me? You know, what was wrong with me to the point where they felt threatened or suspicious? What did I do wrong? They said they were stopping and searching us because um, someone had been stabbed the day before. Like, they were patrolling the area to see, like, if anyone was trying to retaliate or whatever. They, were, they said to us, I'll never get, like, the one that cuffed me was actually quite a nice person, I'll give it to him. Like, he did take the cuffs off, but then, like, the other officers who dealt with my friends, like, they were very rude to my friends from the off, and they were like, oh, you matched the description of who you were looking for, blah, blah. But literally, when we asked for the description, one of them, one of them said black, then realised what he said, so he stopped talking, and the other just refused to give the description. He just kept saying, you match the description, you match the description. So it was like, you don't want to pull that card, but it literally felt like racial profiling, like, when they really just trying to grab every single black boy they saw, like, or just black man, because, like, you know, like, that is just not fair at all. And, I mean, it was definitely an experience for me because that was my first ever time. And it felt so weird, like, and especially I have quite big hands, so those cuffs were killing me. Like, even after they took them off, like, five hours later, my hand was still red. And considering I'm black, like, if my skin's red, you know it's bad. So for it to be still be red five hours later, it just shows you, like, how uncomfortable those cuffs were and them just immediately doing it. Like, like I said, I didn't know they couldn't, but they did, so. I was coming home from, I think it was work. I was coming home from work and I got on the train and I've got off the train at the, obviously the other, the, my stop. I've, um, I've never had a card, so I basically just bumped the train. And then the officers basically saw me and then said, like you, um, you, I can see you're looking very suspicious. We, we, um, we, um, basically think that we have you have an offensive weapon on you. So basically, he's seen that I've looked suspicious and just basically nods, like skip past the fact that I might not have an oyster, and apparently I might have a suspicious weapon. So they basically said I had a weapon, so I had to basically get searched outside of the station um, where everyone was basically watching me. I was basically being, I don't know the word, I was just basically being disrespected for no reason with everybody watching. Yeah, it just goes to show you the police, the whole, the I, me personally, the whole idea of the police is basically not the opposite of what it's supposed to do.
the police are like the like you would think the police are supposed to be there to protect you. From young, we was we was taught in our generation in our area to hate the police, and the police hate us, and that's how it always was, and that's sad because. If the police are why why can't why don't we feel protected? Why it's ironic how the police protect everyone, but we don't feel protected. I remember that same day I got stopped and searched. He said, "Why are you scared?" I said, "Him because you lot are scaring me. Like I know what you lot do." And he said, "Are you crazy? Don't be silly." And from time he said that, I was just like, I just didn't know what to say because I knew if I educated him properly, because when I was speaking to him. He got kind of intimidated because I wasn't speaking on a whole, on a whole like a gangster image and coming across as a, I wouldn't say dumb but like a silly person because I was actually coming intellectually. He was intimidated and he felt a certain way. So when I was saying things like "you're scaring me," whatever, whatever, they don't know what to say. So I think when we talk about the social construct and we talk about it in its most basic and fundamental terms, I guess, in that it's a agreement, um, an exchange by the state and the people to have, whereby the people forego some of their liberties and their freedoms in exchange for the state um, protecting their rights and providing provisions and providing order and structure and, I guess, most importantly, um, protection. That concept I personally believe is fundamentally a myth and something that has been used to uh, give states uh, ultimate power and to give them um, most importantly um, the legitimacy to use the repressive arm of the state because um, when we look at the kind of the origins of the social contract maybe from a Hobbesian point of view in that it emerged out of society living in an anarchal state and living in total anarchy being that everything was uh, a free fall and people had no sense of protection and then ultimately um, owning rights because uh, when that wider provision and that authoritative uh, system and body uh, is not in place then humans will just ultimately um, turn into some form of take to take mindset but I don't know if that's fundamentally true that humans are somewhat innately pushed to have to take from one one another and that the state is the only way that we can live in an orderly world because if you look at that concept and that idea it's fundamentally false because what is happening is still that anarchal structure that existed and emerged of um you know the state uh the state of no means um that still exists it's just been now legitimized and um placed into into certain boundaries so it's okay for some groups to use excessive force and to um to to either take provisions or to remove the protection of people but it's only okay when it's state-sanctioned and when it's state violence and when it's state theft. Yeah, I mean, I just, like, personally feel like it's a bit of a strange thing to be living in a world where we have to, you know, obey these specific laws and people in person, you know, being a public servant, yet 
when we live life from a very young age, from like the we could say reception to about college, we aren't necessarily taught even the basics of you know what we must obtain to protect our freedom. We don't get that knowledge, you know. And I feel like if we have to give up our freedom, you know, to these specific sectors, what is it that we're getting in exchange for that? You know, like. What knowledge? Like I feel like we must have the right knowledge to protect ourselves because the people we're giving our trust to, they themselves are human beings too, but they're just in a uniform. I think it's quite bizarre because I've been in situations where I, I I could get stopped. Well, I have been stopped, sorry, and because I've never, you know, obtained any sort of knowledge to understand what is my rights. I just like I let the officer take control, but these times, this officer could be just hitting me left, right, and centre with acts that aren't even relevant to the, the the current scenario that we're in. I'm not saying stop like applauding them because there's really good policemen and women out there, but overall, it's hard to see them because the way the policing system is, it's just poor. It's just poor in general. When we take the idea of protection and the idea that we're exchanging a social contract is ultimately uh, protection. Firstly, I'd say protection of what? That social contract emerged not as a social contract for the whole of society, but as a social contract for the ruling class to have uh, protection for their property fundamentally. And that's why when we look at institutions such as the police um, and other various arms of the state, they are there to protect property and to protect things rather than protect people. And that's where we see um, this this um, false idea of protection being about the protection of all people. But in reality, what we mean is the protection of property and an extension, the protection of the people who own the property. When we look at the police, um, they are there to protect and serve in more wealthier, affluent communities and their presence there may be an exchange of the social construct because these people are inviting them into their area in exchange for uh, protection and safety. But when you look at the police presence in working class areas, um, when you look at their interactions with people of colour, uh, that is not one of an exchange of um, protection and an exchange of um, mutual respect and uh, mutual gain and benefit because there you are not seen as something to be protected but something to be protected from therefore you are the antagonizer and you in that lens can never be seen as a victim because you do not fit the criteria to be seen as a body in need of protection being that of you own property or you are um, a part of the establishment. When we look at the police presence there, um, no, it's not an example of the social contract, it's an example of social oppression and um, the means in which our society is ordered into those who have and those who have not and therefore those who have need to be protected from the have not. When you come to my, when you come to areas like Brixton, Croydon, um, um, I'm just naming better areas and stuff because obviously that's where I'm from in it. But Brixton, Croydon, Streatham, Tooting, 
there's not a lot of police. So already, by just by not having a lot of police, it's so certain, so simple as that, already creates a disadvantage for people of colour that live in these areas just because there's not enough police. The reason being for that is because if there's not enough police, every time we, we or people of colour or anybody in that area, should I say, steps outside and has the mentality we have, we don't feel safe. What can you do when there's no police? What can you do when there is no protection? What can you do when you're only 18 fearing for your life? What can you do when the statistics show that people of your of your background do not make it past 20? What what it's like you're asking us to do the impossible now. So I feel like the police system needs to be changed. It needs to be changed completely. We just get blamed. We just get blamed for things and they don't. If we was to do what they're doing to us, it would be a whole different game. It all started when uh, I was in year nine and um, I would, at the time I was very, very interested in learning about politics. Um, I was really into opening my political horizons. Um, I started learning about Marx. Um, I was particularly interested in uh, revolutions, um, particularly the Cuban revolution. Um, and it was something I was proper immersing myself about. Um, I was reading doc, I was reading books, watching documentaries, um, and yeah. So um, I came into form time, and usually you're supposed to read. Um, I brought my book um, about guerrilla warfare, um, Che Guevara's guerrilla warfare, um, which is nothing um, that's not mainstream. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was reading it, um, and then my te- my form tutor comes up to me and says, "What are you reading?" <laughs> Explaining to her, it's Guerrilla Warfare by Che Guevara, and then she snatches the book out of my hand and um, bear in mind she had a whole like a very bewildered, shocked look to her face at the time. And uh, yeah, no, she <laughs> she made me go to the safeguarding officer, and the safeguarding officer try to make it out as if I killed somebody. So they were <laughs> looking back in hindsight, it was, it's, yeah, it's an absolute joke. But yeah, she was like, you shouldn't be reading this. Um, these aren't books you should be reading for your age. You're too young. You, you don't understand. This is, this is absolutely, it's very disappointing. Like the generic, um, shameful, yeah. So yeah, no. Um, she then sent me to the principal who um, made it clear from the outset that usually with, with, with stuff like this I'm supposed to, she's supposed to uh, report it to prevent because this is a clear sign of extremism and she starts asking me what were you doing reading that book what were you trying to plan and then I had to lie through my teeth saying oh no we're learning about guerrilla warfare in, in, in history um, which we were we were learning about the Vietnam War but she wasn't having any of it. Like, it, it seemed so alien to her that I was trying to learn something in my own time, like something I was, I was actually passionate and enjoying, passionate about and enjoying. Um, and yeah, she kept the book. She was like, I'm sorry, your, your, your dad has, uh, to, if you want the book back, your dad has to come and I have to explain to him why it's wrong. And she started lecturing me about how the Cuban revolution was bad, um, which <laughs> had no relevance <laughs> to what I was reading, but it, it was horrible. It was very, very horrible. And I still didn't get that book back. Mm-hmm.
people don't understand these little changes in 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 the whole system can damage children's lives fully and this is basically what it's doing and me personally yeah police is one of them yeah no they tried to paint me as an islamic extremist which was was a complete joke um this was worsened about a debate i had about isis bear in mind i have family back home who are fighting isis and yeah, they, they, they tried to treat me as if I was an extremist and that, that led to Prevent being involved. Um, I had police come to my house a couple of times and on the second time, they realised that the, the school had no reason to believe that you would be an extremist and yeah, here you are. And it was just such a joke, like a lot of it got started about me debating um, Middle Eastern um, politics and they, they genuinely weren't trying to listen to me. Anything that, that sort of Anything that was outside their jurisdiction, outside anything they knew, they, they automatically painted me as an extremist. But it sort of plays into this bigger idea that the school, that the schooling system provides and also what the prevent system tries to impose. I mean, I've had friends who've worn a Free Palestine badge in other schools, bear in mind, and they've been put under prevent. Like, it's just such a joke. It's, it's this idea that education is supposed to flourish you as an, ind as an individual. It's supposed to boost your intellectual development. And instead, it's, it's more about compliance. It's, it's more about molding you into the perfect citizen. You're not taught to think outside the box. You're not taught to, to, to challenge ideas. You're taught to be the perfect citizen and Literally, after those two experiences, my, my my grades went down. Like, I just had no form of motivation. Yeah, it's, it's just a complete joke how the education system is, is paradoxical in that sense. Freedom has a link, I believe, to the, to the mind, you know, to the soul. And it can do damage to you. You know, these are things that can, like, change your whole perception of life. So, to end it with this, I believe that if you've never been taught the rules and stuff about society, then it's just like the equivalent of going into an exam without actually being taught anything about it, just to fail. So in theory, we're being made to fail. Thanks for listening to our podcast for SOAS Radio. Everyone featured in this podcast are young people that attend Bolobrook Youth Centre in Southampton. If you'd like to find out more about the centre and the projects that happen there, then go to youngelink.co.uk. All the music in this episode was made in the recording studio at Bolo. The intro song was by Tiana called Do Me Like That. And to finish is Bills and Rent by Trends. Thanks for SOAS for the support and giving us this platform for the podcast. We'll be back next month with the next edition. It's trends. It's trends. Baby. That real rap. And we have a very, very special guest. We keep on going and going again. We keep on going and going again. We keep on going and going again. And going again, we keep on going and going again. 
struggling to pay some bills, struggling to pay some rent. Looked in my mum's face, pockets, bro, this life in Brent. Real life, no, we can't pretend. Like, the all I need is bread. Within 10, I'm a different trend. Left or right, but it all depends. More time, I'm just talking blems. I'm sorry, so do some of my friends. We live in the ends, we work, we sweat, but still, we can't see no leverage. Working late night shifts, doing your best, trying to earn some extras. Trying to head far in a jewel, no carriage. In a different direction. Leave me alone. Questions, questions. They love to ask me questions, but don't wanna come when I'm out there questing. Grinding. I'm up in the north like Westing. Girls want me, wanna be my best friend. No luck. Talking on my loud, trying to find some peace, trying to leave this tension. Just leave it. Success is the best revenge, so I don't show no retaliation. Mm-hmm. Been on my one so much, anti, not social, no conversations. Stuck in my own mistakes, yeah, I'm grateful that, but I cannot change them. Think about a few years back, way back then when we were playing by cages. Ah, uh, like who's your favorite? Who? I ain't talking about basketballer, footballer, didn't matter about player. Trust. Now things a few years later, Change. friends in jail, some gone. I remember that day that we saw it on the paper. True. As long as I got this knowledge, you already know that I can't be a hater. Fact. I live in the hood, buying chicken hoodies when I say we're champions. Champ. Everything ain't good, I have a reason to doubt like Samuel Jackson. Boys. Everything nowadays is action scrapping with no relaxing. It starts online, I ain't talking banking. The difference between me and you is that I've got some standards. Humble. Like palms and stand, everything ain't handed. Dads leave homes and kids left abandoned. Lost in the source, man, they do it for fashion. So mum can't manage. Nah. Lost in the source, man, they do it for fashion. So mum can't manage. Struggling to pay some bills, struggling to pay some rent. Looked in my mum's face, pockets broke, this is life in Brent. Real life, no, we can't pretend. Like, the all I need is bread. Within 10, I'm a different trend. Left or right, but it all depends. Struggling to pay some bills, struggling to pay some rent. Looked in my mum's face, pockets broke, this is life in Brent. Real life, no, we can't pretend. Like, the all I need is bread. Within 10, I'm a different trend. Left or right, but it all depends.